Today we're going to be starting a brand new, just kind of a smaller series going through the 23rd Psalm. And it's a familiar passage to a lot of us. You know, in fact, Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages in all of scripture, in all of history. It's, it's read at funerals. I've heard it sung at weddings. Um, it's, been, it's shown up on TV shows and movies. Lots of artists have sang this song. For the people my age, we all know Gangster's Paradise. Come on. Coolio, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I take a look at my life. All right, I'm not going there. But what can happen is certain passages of scripture, including this one, is that sometimes they become so commonplace in our lives, so woven into the fabric of society, that sometimes they can almost become just cliche. We frame them, we hang them up on our walls, but we forget how much power and impact they can have in our lives and on our hearts. So let me tell you just a little bit about myself. Kind of the paint the picture and I'll, I'll get there. So just, just watch. So if you don't know, I originally, I grew up on the West Coast. Okay, I grew up on the West Coast. I was born in a small town in Southern Oregon. And in that, one of the peop- things that people a lot of times will find interesting is when they find out um, that I'm Native American. And a lot of people after this will come like, I'm 118th Cherokee and all this. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's great. Um, there's a difference between that and being an enrolled tribal member with an ID and a number and all of that. So myself and my kids were enrolled tribal members of the Klamath Modoc tribe of Southern Oregon. And so they, they own, you know, there's some tribal land there and some different things. But the reason I bring this up is because one of the places that my tribe kind of, they hold it kind of as a sacred place, is a place that we now know as Crater Lake. And last year when my dad died, his funeral was on the tribal land. Then we went there and we, we celebrated that. And after the funeral, a day or two after, we said as a family, hey, let's go drive up to the lake. And I've got a picture of my family standing at the lake. Um, You can see I'm the only one that's smart enough to know that sunshine and snow can lead to blindness. (laughs) The rest of them are just squinting like crazy. But Crater Lake is this beautiful, beautiful place. And when people visit, they're just blown away by the beauty of the trees and the mountains. And a lot of times you can go there in July and there's still snow sitting on the ground. But one of the things that people are most usually intrigued by is the blue, beautiful color of the lake. It's just this stark, drastic blue color. But there's a reason that the water in this lake is so drastically blue. Crater Lake happens to be the deepest lake in the United States. It's over 1,900 feet deep. And it's the depth of the lake that helps to create its breathtaking beauty. The reason I bring this up is because sometimes we have to understand there's some deepness and richness to some of the scriptures that have become so familiar to us, but we've got to be willing to see that depth so that we can expose the beauty that's still there. If we take the time to really allow God to speak to us, we'll see that there is great beauty in a familiar passage. And honestly, one of the difficulties of kind of being a pastor and being in church leadership is I've heard all the, I mean, I've heard the sermons, guys. I've heard the leadership talks. I've seen the passages read and taught. And so sometimes what can happen is they just start to lose their wonder and their beauty. 
And we've all been there. We've heard it so many times that we just become kind of complacent. But I believe God has something for us today in this passage. Something beautiful that he wants to show us in the depth of this 23rd Psalm. So there's a prayer that I pray a lot whenever I sit to listen to someone speak, whenever I go to a conference. And it's, it's this it's simple prayer because I've seen like so many times, like what I immediately do is start to judge or I start to criticize or I start to think I've heard this before and this person did this better. And so it's a prayer that I want us to just think of and pray together. And it's this, God, keep me curious, not callous to your word. Keep me curious, not callous to your word. Curious, not cynical to your teaching. God, I want to stay curious of what you have to say to me. I don't want to be callous and I don't want to be cynical. I want to be curious of what you're saying. Help me be open and attentive. So that is our simple prayer as we jump into a familiar passage of scripture today. So here's what I want us to do. You know, I, I, I think there's some passages of scripture that are just, they're powerful, they're impactful. And so during this sermon series, I would like us to stand all together, as I read the part of the passage that we're going to be preaching that day. And we'll keep adding to it until we get to the whole thing. So if everybody can just stand with me. So I'm going to read the part of the passage that we're going to be reading from today. It's Psalm 23. Here's the passage. The Lord is... All right, you can be seated. That's it. That's it. The Lord is. It's the title of today's message. The Lord is. Now I know you're probably like, oh man, we're going to be in this series for nine months. <laughs> we thought we were a piece of Philippians for a long time. I promise. I just think before we can talk about the shepherd, before we can talk about green pastures, before we can talk about our heads being anointed with oil and him walking through the valley of the shadow of death, before we can get to any of that, we have to understand the Lord. Who the Lord is. What the Lord is. The psalm, it, it talks about green pastures, but the psalm is not just about rest. The psalm talks about the shadow of Death, but this psalm is not just a, a song to be sung at funerals. It talks about dwelling with the Lord forever, but it's not just a song that's about heaven. David devotes an entire song to really explain the depth of the beginning two words, the Lord. And then he says, is, and then he follows up with who the Lord is. All of it starts with just the simple two words, the Lord. The first two words are what the entire song are about, and it's actually what our entire life should be devoted to being about. All of the rest of this passage means nothing if we don't understand the Lord. If we're ever to grasp, guys, the full weight of Psalm 23, we have to remind ourselves of the depth of the Lord. If we're going to understand this psalm, we have to really see the beauty of just this simple word, the Lord. So I'm going to I've got some just stuff to say today, but a little bit of teaching. Are you guys okay being taught just a little bit? Some of you guys will know these things. But the actual word that David uses in Psalm 23, the word that we see penned is this word Yahweh. And it's the proper name of a personal God that's known to the Israelites. And as far as we can determine, it comes from the Hebrew word meaning to be or I am. 
And in Scripture, we first encounter this God calling himself I am to another shepherd out in the wilderness, an older gentleman named Moses. And God approaches Moses and he, he's in a burning bush and he's begins to speak to this wayward shepherd out there and, and he says, I am going to use you to set the people free. So in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is your name? What should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The Lord God, guys, is simply I am. No one of us today can introduce ourselves as I am. If after service, we're talking, I say, hey, it's nice to meet you. My name's Mark. And you say, oh, it's good to meet you. I am. Be like, you are what? I am what? What do you mean I am? We all have to have a qualifier after that statement. I have to say things like, I am Mark Delaney. I am Melanie's husband. I am a father of three children. I am the pastor at Relevant Church. I have to have a qualifying statement after saying I am. Our Lord needs no qualifying statement after who he is. He simply is. He is I am. And the Hebrew consonants for this I am serve as the basis of the name Yahweh. To the Hebrews, this name was way too sacred to even speak. They substituted it with the term Adonai. They wouldn't allow this holy name of the Lord to come across their lips. And this name was so revered that if the scribes needed to write the name, they would take a bath before writing it and they would destroy the pen they used to write it. Because they held the name of the Lord in such high regard. In fact, if you look at most of your English translations, they've, done, they've tried to do kind of a, a simple job of, of holding that name holy, but you'll usually see it in all caps. A lot of times it'll be small caps, but it'll be all caps there. Later, others, as, they're try, as they were trying to sort out the vowels and because they would, they would take out letters and they wouldn't write the whole word and they were trying to see what it meant, some of the translators translated this word Lord as Jehovah. So whether you say Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, Jehovah, the meaning seems to always touch on the same idea, I am. God Almighty, the Lord, unlike any other, needs no qualifying statement, simply I am. A name that deserves awe, a name that deserves respect, but I think many of us need to recalibrate our view of the Lord. We need to understand the magnificence of how big and beautiful our God is. You know, it's like that lake. It's become commonplace to me. I've been up there a lot of different times. But for a person that's never seen it, the depth and the beauty is just like, wow. And sometimes we can become so commonplace and familiar with reading this name, the Lord. We need to get back to understanding the magnificence of who God actually is. I think sometimes... What's missing from our lives is having a heartfelt awe of God. The Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're afraid that he's going to strike us down. It's an understanding of how big and amazing and beautiful our God is. Guys, we spend hours contemplating finances, projects, thinking about 
problems or different things that are stressing us out in our life or different things with our family members. And we take hours thinking about those. And then to forget them, we fill our lives with all kinds of diversions to distract us, to keep us from thinking about the stress. We distract ourselves with TV shows, sports, social media, hobbies, shopping, movies. Instead, what if we turn to thinking about the I am, the Lord? What if we thought about the greatness of our Lord? Here's what I want you to see. Taking the time to really think about the Lord does these things. It humbles our hearts. It balances our thoughts. It clarifies our perspectives. It reassures our spirits. It strengthens our souls. When we remember how big God is, everything else comes into proper perspective. All those stressors and all those things that are overwhelming us, when we really sit and think about how great and magnificent our God is, it brings proper perspective and alignment that we know, hey, those things are big and they're stressful, but my Lord is bigger than that. This morning, it's time to recalibrate and rethink the way we view the Lord. We need his wonder and magnificence. Because honestly, a lot of us have a, a viewpoint of God that's, that's mistaken and too small. Some of us, I know I've done this, um, we have a view of God as a cosmic vending machine or a genie in a bottle. Yeah. And the only time we really turn to God is when we want something. And sometimes it's the dumbest of some things. Like, God, it is hot outside. I want a parking spot that's close to Walmart. <laughs> or... God, would you let my sports team win? Even though UK is not going to beat Bama in football. Stop it. (laughs) Or sometimes, you know, we're like, God, I'm about to take this test. I know I didn't study, but will you please give me all the answers? (laughs) And it's genie in a bottle type of a God. And the problem with that kind of God is that when you pray and either the answer comes or the moment passes, poof, you put him back in the bottle. The problem with that view of God is you think that you're greater than God because he only shows up when you call him out. He comes at your command. With this cosmic vending machine view of God, what we do sometimes is we go to scriptures to try to learn all the behaviors and habits that we should have that if we push the right combination of buttons, God will do the thing that we want him to do. That's religion. Both of those viewpoints of God are wrong. They're mistaken. They don't work. They'll leave you feeling empty and hopeless because that is not God. He's not a genie and he's not a vending machine. Other times we think of God as just a good friend that we visit on the weekend. He's like mama that you call on Sunday nights. How you doing, mama? God is not a good friend to just visit on the weekend, guys. His I am-ness doesn't change just because we don't acknowledge who he is during the week. Whether we acknowledge him or not, he is still the Lord. So I just want to spend just one Sunday, one sermon, really just talking about the Lord. And here's why. Because I think there's somebody in here that needs to be reminded that God is greater and bigger and stronger and above whatever you are going through. And when we think about the Lord, we remind ourselves he's bigger, he's better, he's stronger, he's bigger than whatever I'm going through. Because I know a lot of us, we walk in here with a lot. I mean, I know if I walk in here with stuff, you guys walk in here with a lot. And we have to remind ourselves, man, I serve the I am who's in control of everything. So I want to take a moment today and remind us of some of God's, the, the Lord's attributes. 
things that only God is. I just want to remind us of a few of these things. And the first one is this. The Lord is immutable, which means he never changes. The Lord is immutable. He never changes. We live in a chaotic world that's always changing, and it should bring us rest and solace and comfort to know that our God never does. We have a, a world where preference, preferences change. Um, it seems like the lines of morality are always changing, but our God doesn't change. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Malachi 3.6 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Guys, we change. God doesn't. How many of you have ever went to any kind of a reunion? Family reunion, high school reunion, maybe you just ran into somebody you hadn't seen in a long time and there was a one-on-one reunion. And, you know, if you've been to any of those, you see some people and you're like, ah, they changed. (laughs) You know, you might have had that guy or gal that signed your yearbook. I'll be yours forever. And that didn't happen. You show up 10 years later and you're like, praise the Lord that didn't happen. <laughs> because the truth is, for the better or worse, we change. We change. The beauty of youth leads to aging. Physical strength eventually fades. Seasons change. Nations change, leaders rise and fall, but our God is immutable. He never changes. And because of that, that should bring us peace. That should bring us a sense of peace. Then a world full of chaos, I've got a God who's constant. Second thing is this. Things that only the Lord is, the Lord is eternal. Which means he is the creator, he is not created. Everything else in the universe is created, whether a tree or a plant, a bird or an animal, a person, an angel, a grain of sand, a galaxy. They are all created. They all have a beginning, but God alone is the creator. Colossians 1.17 says this about the Lord. He is before all things and him, in him all things hold together. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this, before the mountains were born, Or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. He's the creator of everything. Think about this. We turn on the weather app because we want to know, okay, what should I wear today? God created all of everything and all the weather app. And he's saying, I want to clothe you with righteousness and with hope and with joy. Turn to me and just let me show you how I want to guide and direct and lead. Remember, the Lord is in control of everything. He created it all, so he's in control of it all. You know, we're familiar with this story. Jesus is in a boat with his friends. They're crossing the other side and a storm rises up. Jesus is sleeping because he's the creator. His friends are freaking out. They do what you should do when you're freaking out. They go to Jesus. They wake him up. We're going to die. The Lord stands up and this is what he says. Peace. Be still. Because he is the creator. And sometimes we need that creator to show up in our lives because we feel like, man, I don't know what's going on. I need some calm. I need somebody to just recalibrate. And I need you to show up and to create something new in my life. Guys, gravity dictates our speed and how high we can jump. 
It has no control over our God. Our health and our strength, they'll fade one day. God, his strength will never, ever fade. He's in control. He's the Lord of all creation, which means he's in control. So here's what I want you to know. No matter what we're going through, we can turn to the eternal God who created it all to give us comfort. Whatever you're going through, you can turn to the creator to give you comfort. The third one is this. The Lord is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's everywhere. And this isn't meant to scare you, and parents don't use it to scare your kids. He's always watching. No, it's like truth. But this isn't meant to scare you. It's meant to bring us some solace. Because sometimes I know I've done a God, where are you? And the answer is always right here. Right here. I need to feel your presence, God, though. Okay. God, where are you? Jeremiah 23, 24 says this. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth. He can at the same time be in my circumstance and your situation at the same exact time. He can be with my mom in Tennessee and a family in Tanzania at the same time. And he doesn't have to travel to get there. He just, again, he is, I am. And if we think about it enough, it should start to blow our mind and block our And like, I don't understand it. Good. Because if I can understand everything there is to know about God, that is not a very big God. Any lesser Lord wouldn't be worthy of our worship. That is how big our God is. That is how big our Lord is. And we need to remind ourselves sometimes of this, that he's everywhere. He's there for us. He's the creator. There are so many more attributes of the Lord. I'm just going to list off some of them real quick. The Lord is omnipotent. This means he has all power. There's nothing. There's nothing that he isn't able to do. The Lord is justice. That means when we seek vengeance, we don't need to seek that because our God is a God of justice and he will provide the proper justice. The Lord is love. Thank God for this because we all need that forgiveness and love that only the Lord can properly give. The Lord is omniscient, which means he knows everything. Our wisdom and our knowledge will only get us so far, but he knows it all. So when we're confused or overwhelmed or feeling like something's too complex, we can go to the God who's omniscient. The Lord is holy. This means he's above it all. His ways are bigger than ours. This is what it really means. He's better than us. Thank God. He is holy, set apart. He's worthy to be praised. But here's the thing about his holiness. Even though he is above it all, he still desires to have a relationship with us all. And this last one is the Lord is the resurrection. He's above death. And because he has defeated death, we have nothing to fear. We can be like Paul and say, what's, what's the worst you can do? Give me a sooner reunion with Jesus? Like, is that it? Is that all you got? Because my God is the resurrection. That also means that the things that you might be going through, that you feel it's died in your life, if he wants to bring it back to life, he can because he is the resurrection. We need exactly the kind of Lord that the Bible describes. 
Again, we're going to get to the shepherd and the, the valleys and all of these things. But if we don't understand the Lord, none of the rest of it makes any difference. Sometimes we need our, our minds boggled by the bigness of our God so that we can just remember, you know, our frailty, our smallness, and how much our dependence should be on him. The thing about God is his days never end, but he cares about our mornings and our evenings. He's the God who created the, the roaring sea and thunder, and he still whispers to us. He knows how many stars are in the galaxy and how many hairs are on your head. He's the God of grandeur, but the God of personal relationship. He fills the entire universe and he still remains close enough to be our shepherd. Guys, that's our Lord. But there's this third word that I read today. It's a small word and it's a tiny word and it's one syllable, two letters. It's the word is. The Lord is. Is speaks to a present existence. If something is, that means it currently exists. It's a being verb. If you, if you weren't good with English, okay, it is is a being type of verb. God exists. The Lord is. Two letters. I, S, indicate an immediacy of who he is. The sentence does not say the Lord was. It doesn't say the Lord was my shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord will be my shepherd. That would speak of something happening in the future. It's speaking in a present tense of who God is going to be and wants to be in our lives. It's such a simple little word there, but it speaks of who he currently is. The Bible is full of promises and full of things that are being declared in the future, but that is not what this is. This is saying, here is who the Lord is. And then it begins to tell us. It's a present tense. The word is is then followed by another two-letter word that we didn't read today. And we're going to get to it a lot next week because it's all throughout this psalm and it's the word my. It indicates a personal relationship. And the thing is, if the Lord is not yours, the rest of this means nothing. We have to decide do I have a personal relationship? Could I say the Lord is my anything? Could I finish that up? The Lord is my friend. The Lord is my savior. The Lord is, because it says the Lord is my shepherd. But you've got to decide, do I really trust, follow, and believe, and have surrendered my life to this Lord? The rest of the psalm is lacking if we don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. If he's not, today is your day. Because we're going to talk about the shepherd next week. We're going to talk about lying down and, and where he wants to lead us. But we've got to understand how big the Lord is, presently is, and personally is to you. The Lord is. It's the, it's the most powerful opening to history's most just famous poem. He is here. He's now. He's for you. He's for me. Something we should think about more often than we actually do. The bigness, the goodness the power of our Lord. I know it may seem strange to just devote an entire Sunday sermon to these three words, but the Lord, that word in itself is something we should be able to spend hours on to just think about, man, how big is our God? 
And I've told you guys before, when I was that messed up teenager that was living an atheist lifestyle, trying to disprove and discredit God, one of the things that eventually led me to really submit and surrender my life to Jesus was just the bigness and the way he was presented to me in a new way when he was presented as the Lord that's above it all, bigger than it all, the one that you keep trying to explain it all, it's never going to happen because that's how big God actually is. But he still wants to know you. As we wrap it up and kind of, there's a story. I've heard pastors tell this for years and it's about the 23rd Psalm. And it kind of goes like this. So there's a banquet. And at the gathering, a young, he's a world-renowned speaker. People know him all over the place and he's asked to give a scripture reading at the end of a meal that they're having at this banquet. This young, gifted communicator, he comes up and he decides to read the 23rd Psalm. And he's got great skill. He's got all kinds of charisma. And he reads this psalm with passion. And as he finishes reading it, the people stand up and they give him this this amazing ovation because he is a great orator and he just spoke in such a magnificent way. And he, he goes and the people sit. And after this, an older gentleman comes. An older man from the back of the room, he approaches towards the front. He takes the mic and asks if he could share something. That older man, he takes the microphone and he begins to recite the same 23rd Psalm. And as he begins to read it, the people sit and they weep. The banquet's over. The young man, he goes to the older man and he, he says to this older man, when I spoke, they, they clapped. But when you spoke, they wept. What's the difference? And the old man looks at the younger man. He says, son, you know the song. I know the Lord. And he says, the song makes all the difference in the world when you actually know the Lord. That's why I wanted to spend today really just saying, do we actually want to ponder and understand who the Lord is? is it holds a special place in our hearts many of us have we've committed this this psalm to memory however have we really let it impact our lives have we really let the impact of the lord work in our life i'm gonna have alex come up here he's a little earlier than than usual but here's why as i was writing this message this week. You know, my rhythm is usually Sunday night. I start thinking about what next Sunday is. I'll start looking at the the passage. I'll start just saying, God, let this sit and simmer. I want it to be your words that are spoken. And I go to the team and usually we speak about it and we talk about it. This week was kind of a shorter week because of, you know, Independence Day. And so we weren't able to, to do some of that stuff. But a lot of times when I am actually sitting down and and saying, God, okay, I want, I want to know what you want. And, you know, I get up concordances and study and do all the, the things to make sure that hopefully I'm disseminating God's word properly. But usually I have worship music on. And, and as I was writing this, 
I couldn't get this really old song out of my head. It's a, it's a simple old song that they used to sing a lot when I was in high school. And it's a song that's all about the Lord. And it's just a song that says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he, as he filled me up with his Holy Ghost, he healed me. And it just talks about thinking about the Lord over and over again. And then it says, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. And I thought to myself, when was the last time personally that I just sat and I thought about the Lord? And I'm not a big crier. I'm not a super emotional person. Usually I'm pretty, I got that, that super native stoic face, guys. If you see me looking grumpy, I remember I told you, I love y'all. Just come tell me to smile. But I began to just, I, I found, you know, I looked, I'm like, I got to hear the song because it keeps getting in my head. I, I got to just hear it. I found a version of it was like 10 minutes long. Pretty modern version of it. Just, they just kept singing it. And the whole time it's going and then God just, okay, boom. And I started writing. But as I did that, man, I just started tearing up and weeping because I actually was thinking about the Lord and how much of a mess I once was and what he brought me through to now where I'm a lead pastor of a church. I'm like, what is going on? It's because of the Lord. And it should make us want to shout and sing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. <laughs>